It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I'm Mark Giannone, joined as always by my partner in crime from way down in the nation's capital, Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, man. It's uh, spring weather's like right around the corner. We got that reduction in sleeping hours on Saturday, Sunday, which always kind of sucks. But uh, it means there's more daylight. And, uh, you know, it looks like it was like 55 degrees down here in D.C. We got hmm. the, uh, the the warm weather coming. I bought tickets to uh, Bryce Harper's first game back in Very D.C. Nice. I live right near National Stadium. So I, I was on my flight last week and I was bored. And I'm like, I'm going to see when the Nas- when the Phillies come to D.C. And uh, er- early on, like April 2nd. So I'm going to go and, and see how the, the Washington fans respond to Harper coming back. But, uh, but yeah, no, everything's good, man. Getting ready for baseball, getting ready for uh, see what the Flyers can do here. We'll get into this, but uh, they're, they're, they're making this playoff uh, race pretty close. Yeah, they are. And just to backtrack, you know you're getting old, and I know that I'm finally getting old. I'm getting to that point when the, you have the, uh, the spring ahead and the clock changes, and it affects you physically for, like, two days. That's how I was feeling pretty much. Monday and Tuesday with the time change, and I'm I'm starting to feel normal, but I, I'm not. I'm definitely I'm no longer a spring chicken in life like I once was, and it's it's a little upsetting, honestly. It is. It sounds like maybe I mean it's probably not normal that you, that you were impacted that long after a one hour change. So I'm thinking maybe you had like a rough Friday or Saturday night, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, that could be that could be part of it. But to what you said about the Flyers making this playoff run. um Pretty interesting. They pulled within three points of a playoff spot after their game against Ottawa, or Ottawa for you Canadian listeners. Um, And last night, things did not go their way. They're back down to five points out of the playoff picture. Look, a few months ago, before they made all the changes to head coach and general manager, we said on this show, we said time and time again that the Flyers probably weren't going to make the playoffs. Then they hit their run where right before the All-Star break, they caught some fire. And they've really kept it up ever since. They've played really good hockey for the last, like, two months, two and a half months. And they've put themselves in a good position right now to make the playoffs. But the problem is they don't control their own fate. All they could do is keep winning games, but they have to keep scoreboard watching and that's probably the worst feeling that a team can have is you could win as many games as you want but if the other teams are winning as well then you're not you know you're it's like you're never every time you try to dig out of the hole the hole collapses a little bit more on top of you so i mean i guess we kick it off with that what what do you think what are the chances here the flyers make the playoffs because they're playing well but it seems like the teams that are chasing are playing just well enough to keep the flyers at an arms yeah, an arm's length out of the out of playoff picture. Yeah, I mean it's the chances are. I still think that they're slim chances, and I'm going to mm-hmm. go over the kind of like what I predicted for the schedules for the teams they're up against. But what's amazing is the Flyers in their last 25 games are 18 five and two. 
I mean, that's really impressive. It's they're, very good. They're nine four and one. Yeah, they're nine four and one over the last fourteen. Eighteen five and two over the last twenty five. It just goes to show you that you just can't afford to dig yourself a big hole early in the season, like the Flyers seem to do year after year after year. Last year they dug themselves a big hole, and they were able to come back and and get a playoff spot. This year, I don't know. And I, so I, the teams that they're battling against, like you mentioned, um, the two wild cards right now are the Carolina Hurricanes, who have eighty three points. And the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have 81 points. Montreal also has 81 points. Um, but they're not in a wild card spot right now. Columbus, I think, has the tyrick over them. So the Flyers have got to leap over Montreal and then uh, also leap over one of Columbus and Carolina. So let's start with Columbus because they were struggling for a little while. They made all those big trades at the deadline. They went all in, so to speak. They traded for Matt Duchesne. Uh, they traded for Ryan Dezingle. You know, they made some big moves there at the deadline. Uh, and they were struggling. But last night, they just smoked the Bruins, I think, 7-4. to four. And I looked at their schedule. And Columbus, of those four teams, Columbus has far and away the easiest schedule. So I had Columbus going 9-3 and three over the last uh 12 games which would put them at 99 points so we can take columbus out of the equation in my opinion because i don't think the flyers can catch them so then they got to catch one of carolina or montreal montreal actually has a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way and i had them going five five and two which would give them 93 points the flyers and i did i looked at the flyers with kind of an optimistic twinge if there was a game that i thought okay maybe they win maybe they'd lose i gave them a win so I had the Flyers going 8-3-2 and two over the last uh, 13 games, which would give them 94 points total, which would give them one more point than Montreal. So I project the Flyers to actually finish ahead of Montreal, even though they're five points behind them right now. But you look at the Hurricanes schedule, and it's a tough schedule. But even if the Hurricanes, if the Flyers go 8-3-2, and two, all the Hurricanes have to do is go 500 the rest of the way. If they go 6-6-1, six, six and one, uh, which is what I had the Hurricanes going, they would still get 96 points, which would put them two points ahead of what I projected for the Flyers. So I was looking at it in an optimistic fashion, and I still couldn't find a way to get the Flyers into the playoffs. They're really going to have to win some of those games that you don't expect them to win. Like if you if you look at the Flyers' schedule the rest of the way, you know, they're, they've got their at the Capitals, at the Penguins, at the Maple Leafs. You know, they're going to have to win one of those games. I had them losing all three of those. They're going to have Ooh. to win one of those games, um, you know, and they're actually – or no, sorry, I was looking at the wrong schedule. But yeah, they're at the Maple Leafs, at the Penguins, at the Caps. So, yeah, all those same teams. They're going to have to win a couple of those games. Um, you know, they're they're going to – they're home against the Maple Leafs. I gave them a win there. There's – it's going to be tough for the Flyers to make the playoffs any any way you slice it when you look at the teams they have to catch and you look at the schedules. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now for the Flyers. And, I mean, they've had two monster wins the last two weeks on a couple of Saturday games up on Long Island against the Islanders. 5-2 uh, the win Saturday. And the Islanders, one of the, you know, one of the more surprising teams of uh, – of the season. Nobody really expected them to come out the way they have, but you know, the Flyers have those two wins and then they get them again in a couple weeks at home on a Saturday. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Just looking at things, how they're shaping up for the Flyers. They have some easy games. Well, not really. I mean, 
There really isn't money, many easy games. Now, look, they have they are at Chicago on the 21st, which should be a winnable game. Um, they close out the season against the Rangers, which is a winnable game. But what, what what benefits them is they still have a game against Montreal coming up, and they still have a game against Carolina coming up. So they, you know, those are those are big swing games for them where they can get that four point swing that is so coveted in this in this <clears throat> when you, when you're dealing with these playoff races. But when I'm looking at those three big away games that you brought up, Pittsburgh, Washington, Toronto, I think the most winnable out of those three would be Pittsburgh on the 17th. The Flyers, I mean, I don't know. I I really don't usually take too much with the revenge factor in games if it's just a regular season game uh, as opposed to like a playoff game, playoff series. But, you know, Pittsburgh coming off that game against the Flyers at the stadium series where they kind of fell apart the last five minutes, ended up losing in overtime. There could be a that could be a motivating factor for them to come out a little bit and try to bury the Flyers quickly and be one of the teams that, you know, sullies their playoff chances. I see that game as winnable for the Flyers. But I mean, again, we're going to talk about the most important thing for the Flyers going forward if they're going to win the if they're going to win one of those three games, one of those tough, challenging road games with Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Washington, if they're going to win those games, they're going to need stellar goaltending. And they've gotten that, for the most part, from Brian Elliott in recent weeks. Looks like Carter Hart's coming back this week. Um, I, I can't remember if the tweet that I saw said, he is he starting against the Capitals or Toronto? I believe that he's starting against the Capitals because I saw a bunch of stuff about uh, him playing against you know Braden Holtby who was one of his, his right. former mentors so yeah I, I believe that uh, Carter Hart's playing against the Capitals which is you know a tough tough game for him to come back but right and the Flyers I mean they had the game last week against the Capitals and don't let the score fool you 5-3 is not how that game ultimately went down you know they Flyers do what they do a lot of the times and they play flat and then bur- uh, you know have a burst of goals when it, it doesn't really matter anymore but yeah, I mean, Carter Hart, that's, that's a tough game, and that's a tough game for them to bring him back, especially, I don't know what his status was for Ottawa, but to bring him back, these either game on against Washington or Toronto is tough for a guy that's just missed almost a month with an injury, and you're going to throw him in the fire against the Capitals during a playoff race, but you know, we talk so many times about how focused he is, how you know his his demeanor, how poised he is, this is this is the big test for the kid is this game against one of the best teams in the league when your team's fighting for a playoff spot and you know it's trial by fire at this point. And I said on Twitter a couple I think it was last week that I don't think the Flyers are making the playoffs. So if I if if I'm running the show, given the 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 road the Flyers have ahead of them, given the fact that he's coming off an injury, given the fact that he is your franchise goalie moving forward, I would have shut Carter Hart down for the rest of the season, and I certainly would not be starting him his first game back against the Washington Capitals. But, I mean, look, it, it, the burden's on him at this point, and he's the Flyers are going to go as far as his goaltending takes him right now. I, I don't see the argument for shutting him down, though. I mean, if he's – presumably they've been extra cautious. I mean, it sounds like he's been healthy for a week and a half. You've got a team who does have a chance to make the playoffs. If Carter Hart's completely healthy, I don't know. I just I don't see the re- I, I don't see the reasoning for shutting him down. So I'm fine with them bringing him back. I do agree that if they had been um, 
that, that ideally home against Ottawa on Monday would have been an easier game for his mm-hmm. comeback. But look, I guess if, if he's 100% healthy, then I guess maybe it doesn't really matter when he comes back. So we'll see. You know, Brian Elliott's playing well. We talked about this a little bit, just me and you before the show. There's been a lot of noise on Twitter about um, why did the Flyers bring in Talbot uh, and trade Stolars for him if they were just going to sit him down the stretch? Because it certainly looks like Brian Elliott and Carter Hart are going to be the two goalies down the stretch. Right. It's an interesting, um, interesting topic. You know, the idea, most people thought that the Flyers were bringing in Talbot so that they could get a look at him over the rest of the season and try and decide if he'd be worth bringing back. Both Talbot and Elliott are unrestricted free agents. I think that the common thought process is that Elliott is a little bit older and maybe not as reliable from an injury perspective as Talbot. But the argument that I was making to people was that before last season and all the injuries Elliott had, he was actually a pretty reliable goaltender. I mean, he was playing 40-plus games every season in the NHL. He wasn't really getting injured that much. Last year, he had the injuries. I think they brushed him back this season, which probably has led to more injuries. But I actually see no reason why Brian Elliott wouldn't be just as good of a backup next year as opposed to Cam Talbot. I know that Talbot has the relationship with Carter Hart, which Chuck Fletcher said wasn't one of the reasons that he brought him in. But he's been one of Carter Hart's mentors in the offseason, so I think it's kind of like a good good fit with Hart and Talbot. But if the Flyers truly think that Brian Elliott is better than Talbot, which clearly Coach Gordon does, then it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the offseason. Because, again, unless you're convinced that Brian Elliott is unreliable, I don't know where the argument is for bringing in Talbot over Elliott to be the backup next year. Um. I mean, to me, and it's the old adage in sports, it's, you know, father time is undefeated. And the fact is, he maybe at one point was reliable, but he, but he hasn't been the last two seasons that he's been with the Flyers. And that's not, I mean, we've had so much turmoil with the goaltending situation, especially this season with all the injuries. If, you know, if, you, if you're bringing Brian Elliott back, you're risking him missing another big chunk of games. And to me, that's enough to not bring him back. And I... He has played well, and when he has played for the Flyers, even last year, he's play, he's been very solid for them. But, you know, you can't, with, with such a young guy like Carter Hart, I, you have to bring in a guy that you know is going to be there, that you know is not only a solid backup, but a reliable backup, a guy that y- you don't have to count on. Well, we might lose him for 20 to 30 games a year for whatever injury, and with with Brian Elliott, I think it's a lot of these injuries that he's getting are these soft tissue type injuries that just come along with age, playing a, a rough position like goaltender. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, they're constantly stretching and putting their body in all different positions that the body isn't really supposed to, you know, be put in. But when you're younger and you train your body to do that, it's one thing. But over time, that stuff starts to break down. And Brian Elliott has a lot of games logged in the NHL, and it's he's not going to get any younger. And I right now, yeah, he's, he's played well and I've been impressed with how he's played recently and how he's just been overall as a flyer. But that looms over his head is, is that big injury bug. And to me, that's enough to not bring him back. That, that's if that's, that's, that's the most glaring issue with him. If, if you can't trust the guy, if you, if you can't trust, he's going to be reliable enough to be there when you need him, then you have to get somebody who is. 
Yeah, I look, that's the argument that most people make. And so I know I'm in the minority. Um, but I just I've seen the the types of injuries that Elliot had last season were the same ones that it took Claude Giroux multiple seasons to come back from. And mm-hmm. and you know, I, I just I I think that if you put a gun to my head and said who's gonna have a better season next year, Brian Elliott or Talbot, I'm going Brian Elliott. And that's just my gut instinct on it. I think that uh he doesn't have a history of you know, before the injury last season, he doesn't have a history of being unreliable. So, um, you know, so that, that, that just is my opinion on that. But well, um, as far as, as far as bringing Talbot in, cause that's really, I mean, even at the time it was a questionable decision when the trade went down because Stolarz had even been playing well as well. But, and it was just weird that you knew you had a goalie log jam coming up because you knew Elliot was coming back soon. And, you know, you thought maybe if a tr- goalie was going to be moved, it was going to be just to clear up a spot, but they just did a one-for-one swap. I think the whole reason Talbot was brought in, I think, and this is just my theory on it, is I, is Chuck Fletcher maybe thought that there would be more of a, a market for Brian Elliott at the trade deadline. So he wanted that, you know, that veteran presence backup for Carter Hart. And I think ultimately what happened is when it came down to and it was deadline day and there's moves being made that, there wasn't a move that Chuck Fletcher was comfortable enough moving Brian Elliott for. But I think, you know, that's why down that stretch going into the deadline, you saw Elliott more and more because maybe they're trying to up his value a little bit, but it must not have ever gotten to where Chuck Fletcher thought it was going to be or where he would have liked it to be. And now, you know, now we're in a situation where we have three healthy goalies and the one, the newest one, the one that, you know, everyone wants to see what he could do for next season is going to be in the press box for a while. So I think this, I think, you know, it was an insurance policy that it would have been nice to have, but right now it's just, you know, it's created another cluster for the Flyers at at, at goaltender. And I don't know. I mean, look, all you can ask for right now is that two of them play well enough to sustain what they've been doing. And I guess Brian, you're right, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart are the best two options. I'm excited to see Hart tomorrow against the Capitals because – you know, these are the big games that, you know, that we need him to win. So it's good. It's going to be exciting to see him take on one of the best teams in the league, one of the best pure goal scorers ever in Alex Ovechkin. And, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But who the hell knows? Yeah, I, I think, you know, look, the bottom line is we really don't have to spend any more time talking about the goalies because we have Carter Hart. So it's we're arguing about the backup. You know, right. which is a great it's a great thing when you're it's a Flyers fan. We're arguing about the backup. Who cares? Carter Hart should play 40 to 50 games next season. And, um, you know, and and hopefully uh, he'll continue a stellar play. Let's talk about um, Phil Myers. You know, you're the, the president of the Phil Myers fan club. I have been a huge fan of Phil Myers for a long time. He's finally in the NHL. He's played 10 NHL games. I took a lot of heat. In October, when I said that I would not trade Phil Myers straight up for William Nylander, because I strongly felt at the time that Phil Myers was going to become a top pairing NHL defenseman and was going to become a more valuable NHL player than William Nylander. I got shredded on Twitter and I I kind of put a poll up there and it was like 80 percent would trade Phil Myers straight up for Nylander. And. I think probably a lot of those people that voted uh, might have their opinions might be changing because Phil Myers there. Look, for Travis Sanheim, there was a transition period of the NHL. You know, he he struggled a little bit at times early on and he didn't look quite 
confident early on sometimes. There's a reason that I had Phil Myers ranked ahead of Sanheim in my Flyers prospect list a couple of years ago and where, when no one else did. And it was because when I watch Phil Myers play, when I watched him in the World Junior Championships and I watched him in the Canadian Juniors and you watch him with the Phantoms and he just plays so confidently and he plays instinctually, which I love to see from a defenseman. He just sort of always knows what to do he, he takes risks but if he gets caught he comes back he's got the speed to take care of it. he's a big defenseman he has been very very good for the flyers uh since being called up from the phantoms he's been one of their best defensemen he's playing you know top four minutes and i love phil myers i think that we're now seeing this top four with the flyers with Provorov, sanheim and myers and shane gostas bear that people want to see and what are your thoughts on phil myers and what you've seen of him so far well i mean he's been very impressive and it's really bright future for the flyers right now when you look at that that you know the top of their defense pairings when you have Provorov, gossespair sanheim myers i mean those are four young guys that have really already made a name for themselves and you're absolutely right look we've been talking about phil myers for what feels like forever but it's really been about two years and for the longest time this season, we've been waiting for them to call him up because there's just been inconsistent play at, at defense at times, especially early in the season. You know, Andrew McDonald has been as unimpressive as he's ever been. You had Christian Fullen for a while there who wasn't really doing much. Ivan Provorov started the season out playing just uncharacteristically bad. And kind of the same with Shane Gossespierre to the point where people were talking about trading with the trade deadline. So... All along, it seems the answer for better defensive play was with the Phantoms, and the Flyers just had nowhere to put them because they had so many guys up here already. And you can add Robert Hagen to that mix, too, of guys that have just been kind of unimpressive at times. And now he's come up here, and he's been absolutely tremendous. I mean, he is, he is as, he's billed as advertised right now, and me and you have loved him for what's, like I said, what seems like forever, because of how good he is with the puck, and you see that firsthand now that he's in the NHL. And you're right, the most impressive thing right now about him is how he's come in and has just picked up the NHL game. And he's just, it's it, it was a seamless transition. It's like he's been doing this forever. And who knows how, you know, guys this young, eventually they hit a bit of a wall where people figure out their game, figure out how to you know, play them when they're on the ice. But as it is right now, Phil Myers has, I mean, he's given the Flyers a spark at the blue line that they desperately needed. And now, again, another log jam is created on this roster. We talked about the goaltenders. Now there's one with the defenseman. There's Andrew McDonald, who we both think will likely get bought out in the offseason. There's Sam Moren, who's been healthy and just been in the press box for a few weeks now. And, you know, there's there's Robert Haig, there's Racco Gudis, all these guys that could be potential trade pieces in the offseason. And it's because of the play of guys like Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim, because they've both been tremendous. Travis Sanheim has, you know, he's really come into his own as the Flyers have picked up their play in recent weeks. And right now the Flyers have a pretty lethal top two defense pairs with those guys. And I think this offseason, there's moves to be made. They could bring in a guy like Eric Carlson if they so choose, or they just bring in more of a mid-level, stay-at-home, steady defensive to put on that third pair with whoever, if they want Gudis, if they, you know, Haig, whoever. Somebody's going to get moved in the offseason. 
likely Andrew McDonald, probably somebody else. So the Flyers are set up really well right now, and Phil Myers is a huge part of that. Do you know which Flyers defenseman leads the team in points? Uh, I mean, if I had to guess, probably... I want to say Sanheim, but I feel like it's going to be Gudis. Gudis leading them in points, come on. No, um, most people would assume it would be Gostas Bear because he plays on the top power play unit. Right. He's actually tied with Travis Sanheim. Travis Sanheim, very quietly, is tied as the Flyers' top-scoring defenseman. He's got 31 points, and 27 of Sanheim's 31 points are even strength, whereas you look at Shane Gostas Bear and... He's got uh, how many even strength points does he have? He's got 19 even strength points out of 31. So it's, it's you know, like you mentioned, Sanheim, the confidence from him offensively has been sky high. And the the debate, and, you know, we got really good questions from, uh, from our followers on Twitter that we'll get to in a little bit. But a lot of them kind of talk about should the Flyers go after a defenseman in the offseason? Because – that's been one of the recurring themes that people have been saying is that the Flyers need to add a veteran defenseman in the offseason, whether it's Eric Carlson as an unrestricted free agent or Tyler Myers as an unrestricted free agent or making a trade perhaps for someone like a Jared Spurgeon from Minnesota or a Colton Pareko from the Blues. And I've seen a lot of people start to change their tunes because they're seeing how well this top four has been playing for the Flyers. And Radko Gudis is arguably more one of their most steady defensemen all season. So what, you know, one option for the Flyers is you could try and try and add someone like a Carlson uh, or a Spurgeon. But then who are you knocking down to the third pair? Maybe Shane Gostisbehere or Phil Myers? I don't know if you necessarily want to do that. Right. When you could have a third pair of Radko Gudis and, you know, maybe you bring in a lesser defenseman to be a third pair guy. I mean, the, what I really want to do, because I just I don't really think that Robert Haig is ever going to become a top four NHL defenseman. I a lot of Flyers fans seem to still really like Robert Haig. I don't think that he's that valuable of a piece as an NHL defenseman. Um, I'd rather keep Gudis around and then let some of the young kids they've got develop. Like Linus Hogbear is going to be coming over from Sweden next year, most likely. I like him more than Haig. Uh, I'd like to see Sam Moran get a chance. I think that if they don't trade Sam Moran in the offseason, he'll probably be the Flyers' seventh defenseman coming into the season. But he's certainly a guy that, that I always thought that Moran had a little more upside than Robert Haig, and I still feel that way. Haig's had a really rough season, especially of late. I'd love to see the Flyers trade Haig, buy out Andrew McDonald, and go into next season with with the top four of Provorov and Sandheim, Ghost and Myers, Gudis and Morant, and then you add another defenseman. You know, I wouldn't be against – here's the thing. I don't really want to uh, sign a guy like Eric Carlson because he's going to cost, you know, seven years and $10 million a year, and mm -hmm. he's – you know, Carlson still has some injury concerns. He only has three goals this season. You know, I don't know if I want to commit that kind of money to him when I think that the Flyers' top four is going to be good for a while. You, you, I would look more at trading for a guy like Jarrett Spurgeon, who he's a guy that obviously Chuck Fletcher knows very well. Um, he 
believe you brought him into Minnesota. Spurgeon has one more year left on his contract at $5.2 million. So the Flyers could trade for him. Probably wouldn't cost quite as much because he's going to be a free agent at the end of next season and then make a decision on him. But I'd be fine with, you know, a top pairing of Krovorov and Spurgeon, and then you could get Sanheim and Myers and then Gudis and Shane Gostisbehere as your third pair. I mean, that would be pretty sick. So that's why I would still look at bringing someone in like a Spurgeon, but I don't know if I want to lock up someone like Carlson for seven years. Seven years is a long time. And especially you already brought up his injury history. And I don't really, I've never seen a guy with who has injuries when they're young, just get healthier, the older they get. So that, I mean, that's, that gives me a lot of reservation, a lot of pause on bringing in Carlson. I mean, he's still one of the better, one of the best defensemen in the league. But when you're talking about a team that, has a lot of money and has spent the last few years, you know, accumulating all these assets at, you know, at defense for this reason, because they wanted to build this strong homegrown blue line that they have right now and bringing in a guy like Carlson. Yeah, it would be great because he's obviously a very good player, but it kind of throws a monkey wrench into the whole thing. And there's a lot of money the Flyers are going to have because they're going to, they're going to, they already have a lot just by the way, just by way of, contracts coming off the books and they have the they have the ability to create more in buying guy and buying a guy out like uh andrew mcdonald they have to lock up sandheim Konechny, and proveroff to their contracts so that's gonna eat up a good and lawton and space. ryan hartman what's that and lawton and hartman right right so they have to you know they have to spend a good bit of the cap space to bring to lock up guys that are already in house and really so I'd rather go in the season with the guys they already have next season, bring in somebody from the outside of lesser value than Eric Carlson, put him on the blue line. I'd rather focus on the forwards because there are guys unrestricted and restricted free agents that the Flyers could be in on. And I know you want to talk about the Darren Drager article that said the Flyers could be aggressive in the offer sheet field this offseason something that hasn't really been that prominent in nhl offseasons in recent years and there's guys out there patrick line is a, is a name that gets uh, brought up he's one of the big ones out there and so there's guys that the mitch marner's another one that I, I see people on twitter talking about there's guys at the at the forward positions that i'd much rather see the flyers bring in because i think they're good on the blue line i need to see them play better up front and have more of scoring threats than I've seen them have at times this year. Recently, it hasn't been too bad because they're getting better play from Lindblom, Patrick, Konechny, those three guys that we've been looking for for a lot of the first half of the season that we needed them to pick up their play so they could just add that scoring depth to the team so it didn't have to be on the shoulders of Giroux, Couturier, Simmons at the time, Voracek. And now, you know, you needed a guy like Patrick to step up in when Simmons left, and he has played very well. And so you, you add another piece or two to really solidify the forwards, and you add one guy to the blue line, get rid of whoever you want. A guy like Haig is fine. I'm, I'm fine getting rid of him to solidify the back end. And then you have Carter Hart, and you're looking at a pretty good team next season that should not have the same struggles that they've had this season and in recent seasons. And then it comes down to, as well, who's going to be the head coach? Is it Scott Gordon? Do they bring in Joel Quinville? If they bring in Quinville and they add with the money that they have, then I think the Flyers will be pretty well off next season. But 
if I'm Chuck Fletcher in this offseason, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be aggressive with the uh, with the offer sheets because there's guys out there that could drastically improve this team next next season. So that he has to explore all avenues, all options, and I, I I think he's in the position to do so. I think he wants to, and I think he will when it's all said and done. So let's read some of these quotes. I'm going to read some of this stuff. This is from an article by Chris Nichols, uh, NicholsOnHockey.com, and he basically is transcribing an interview that Darren Drager had on Ottawa's TSN 1200 radio network. So here's some of the things that Drager said. He said that, I feel like Chuck Fletcher is going to be as aggressive as he can be. When we talk about offer sheets on certain players, and it doesn't matter if it's Braden Point or it's Mitch Marner, if you want to go low-end to Kasperi Kapanen or Andreas Janssen to go down the list, I don't include Miko Ranton in that conversation because I think that Colorado would match no matter what. But Philadelphia and Detroit are among those teams to be in the hunt looking for that type of possibility. Now, maybe they also take a hard run at Artemi Panarin. I guess the point I'm making is I think there's an appetite to try and not only turn the corner, but recognize that they've got some players who are in the prime of their career, but also coming out of the prime of their career. So they've got a nice balance. If they could add a couple of key pieces, maybe Philadelphia could make a move pretty quickly. The possibility of a double signing this summer by the Flyers of Eric Carlson and Artemi Panarin was suggested to Drager as something that almost feels like the perfect fit. And, you know, Chuck is the guy, type of guy that could pull that off. And Drager said, yes, he could. He's pretty smooth. So let's talk through this a little bit. So first, mm-hmm. for the folks out there who don't know what an offer sheet is, you know, briefly, there's two kinds of free agents. Unrestricted free agent who can change uh, what team they're on without any kind of penalty or the current team does not have the ability to match. So an unrestricted free agent can go wherever they want. Restricted free agents... Uh, you can, another team, so like, for example, Ivan Provorov is a restricted free agent, which means that let's say that the Carolina Hurricanes decide they want to try and sign Ivan Provorov. So if they agree on a contract with Ivan Provorov, the Flyers then have the right to match. And depending on how expensive the contract is, uh, the Flyers would get a certain amount of draft pick compensation if they don't match. So let's say that the Flyers want to go after Mitch Marner, who is going to be a restricted free agent. He's on Toronto. He's actually, I think, leading the Maple Leafs in points, or he's right up there on a team with Austin Matthews and John Tavares. He's going to make a lot of money. Let's say Chuck Fletcher goes to Mitch Marner and his agent says, hey, we're going to give you a seven-year contract for $70 million, so $10 million a year. The Flyers absolutely have the money to do that. They're Even with having to re-sign Provorov, Konechny, Sandheim, Lawton, Hartman, and a backup goalie, they'll still probably have about 16 to $18 million to spend if they buy out Andrew McDonald, which I think they will. So let's say you offer Mitch Marner $10 million a year. If Toronto doesn't match that, then Marner becomes a Philadelphia Flyer, and the Flyers have to give the Maple Leafs four first-round draft picks, which obviously is a, is a lot to give. So that's one option. Now, there hasn't been an offer sheet made since the one to Ryan O'Reilly, I think back in like 2013. And it's it's almost been taboo that GMs kind of feel like it it's not a right thing to do to do an offer sheet. So there hasn't been one in a while. But this summer, there's so many really good restricted free agents and so many teams like the Maple Leafs and Tampa that, and Winnipeg that are kind of in cap hell and might not be able to match that there's been a lot of chatter some offer sheets could be being made. 
Now, do I think that Toronto is is going to let Mitch Marner go? No. I think that they would find out, find a way to match. Or Braden Point for Tampa, like they're going to find a way to match. But it's an option. The Flyers could offer sheet one of those guys. So that's one possible thing. You know, you'd rather get a guy like Artemi Panarin, who is an unrestricted free agent, and the Flyers could just give a contract to, and they wouldn't have to give up any draft picks. But it sounds like Panarin wants to go to L.A. or New York or Florida. So if Panarin doesn't come here, I don't like Matt Duchesne. I, I made this point on Twitter. Matt Duchesne's 28 years old. He doesn't have a playoff goal, which, again, says two things to me. I mean, it's not that he's not a clutch player in the playoffs. It's that he's never been part of a team. He's never been a big part of a team that gets to the playoffs. And if, if you're going to give a guy $10 million a year, which is what Duchesne's probably going to get, 8 to $10 million, you want a guy that can move the needle. And, and I haven't seen Matt Duchesne move the needle anywhere that he's played, so I don't want him. So if you can't get Panarin, I don't want Duchesne. You know, I don't know if I want Carlson. So do trying to, to get a guy like a point or a martyr with an offer sheet may be a way for the Flyers to go. They're just going to have to really overwhelm with money for the other team not to match. I didn't realize that it's been that long since an offer sheet has been has been utilized. I were just the one that always stands out to me is when the Flyers like basic. Were they what did they offer for Shea Weber? Wasn't it like a fifteen year contract when he was with Nashville? Yes. Yeah, so the so the real quick the O'Reilly offer sheet was twenty thirteen, I believe twenty thirteen, um twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, yeah it was twenty twenty thirteen and the um Shea Weber. That was that was crazy. The Shea Weber offer sheet was uh, 2012. It was a 14-year deal, upwards of a hundred million dollars, that the Flyers signed Shea Weber to. And Nashville, they didn't know if Nashville was going to match. And thank God for the Flyers, oh, Nashville man. matched because Shea Weber's had injury problems, and a 14-year deal is pretty crazy. So, you know, but the, yeah, the last time contract. this happened is 2013. I'm pretty sure there's going to be an offer sheet that happens this summer. I don't know if the team will or won't match, but, you know, and I don't know, you know, you mentioned um, Patrick Lining with Winnipeg. I mean, he's a big goal scorer, but he's had an up and down year. I, I don't even know if I'd want to offer sheet him the amount of money that it would take, but Mitch Marner, Braden Point, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we've seen Chuck. I mean, and not so not when, with the Flyers because it's been such a small amount of time he's been here. But when he was with Minnesota, he was a pretty aggressive guy uh, in in the uh, in the off season. Obviously, he had the big off season that he brought in Ryan Suter and Zach Parise to Minnesota, and that was that was a big off season. And the Flyers were in on both of them, and they didn't get either of them, and they let guys that were other guys slip away. So uh, we've seen him be pretty aggressive in the past and there are so many options right now for him that I have to believe that he's going to be in on all of them and I you know I honestly kind of expect an offer sheet to be put out there it, if if what you're saying is true and if about Artemi Panarin if he doesn't want to come to Philadelphia because it's not his cup of tea city-wise it's not you know warm and there's not you know the hustle and bustle of New York City for his model girlfriend then you know, these are this is all stuff that Chuck Fletcher is. And look, I know you're not supposed to be doing it now, or you know, there's a certain date when you can start talking to these guys and stuff like that. But I don't believe it. I don't. To me, 
sports are too important. There's too much money being thrown around for these guys to not be making phone calls and figuring out a way to like gauge a person's interest in a certain city. So if Chuck Fletcher goes to the Artemi Panarin camp or, you know, name the free agent and he sees that, you know, this guy doesn't want to come to Philadelphia for whatever reason, then, you know, maybe I don't see any reason why he wouldn't explore a Mitch Marner or a Braden Point, Patrick Line, you know, any of these guys. There's an, you know, at, at this point with the position that the Flyers are in both financially and where they just are in the progression of this team, you just have to cast a wide net. See who wants to come here. See who takes a look at Philadelphia and says, yeah, I see a growing product there. I see a growing team that's really starting to come into their own, a fan base that's as loyal as any in sports. So, yeah, I, I just put put your name out there. Go to everybody. See who wants to come here and hone in. If, if two, three guys say, yeah, I would go to Philadelphia if the money was right, then see what you could work out. And, you know, like you said, there's this whole karma thing that – NHL GMs kind of have where it's not right to use to utilize the offer sheet, but it's there to be utilized. So if you want any of these guys, then screw it, go for it. And you know, if, if it comes back and bites you in the ass down the road, then so be it. But you, the Flyers just have to explore all their options because next season is so pivotal for them. And I can't stress that enough because we thought that this year was going to be the year where they really start to make some noise and they, you know, they were firmly in the playoff picture for most of the season, and it hasn't been that way. And next year, it absolutely has to be, especially now when you've seen the play of the young guys like Limblom, Patrick, Konechny, um, Hart, obviously. When you see how well these guys have played, next season is so important for them, and this offseason is, is, is just as important. And Chuck Fletcher needs to do everything. He, he needs to play every hand, in every card in his deck to make this team better. So if 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 he has to ruffle some feathers, if he has to piss off, you know, another GM, if he has to give up four first-round picks to Toronto to get Mitch Marner, then so be it. Because really, those four first-round picks, if everything plays out the way you hope it does, are going to be pretty low and not worth much anyway to begin with. Yep, next year is, is really the year. I mean, I think that you see... I think Chuck Fletcher is going to do his damnedest to try and build a team around Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier and Jake Voracek while those guys are still in their primes so that this team could be a cup contender next season. And it's certainly possible with Carter Hart and this defense. You add a couple guys. You know, what I don't want them to do is I don't want them to miss out on Panarin and Marner and Point and Carlson and then throw crazy money around to some of the lower tier unrestricted free agents who I feel like we have guys in the, on the team currently or in the pipeline that are going to be just as good as, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I just hope that, that Chuck Fletcher spends the money in a right fashion this summer. And he, he doesn't, you know, spend unwisely to, uh, is it time should we get to some questions? What do you think? What what's our yeah, time? Yeah, let's get. Like? I know we have a lot of them this week, so we might as well uh, might as well jump on them and okay. see what they're hitting for. Okay, so the first question came in from Tom Sloan, one of our loyal listeners at Tom underscore Sloan, and he asks: Playing GM, if you can sign either Panarin or via offer sheet Marner. How much is that contract realistically going to be? 10.2 million for seven years. And then what's the solution 
at center with not a lot of realistic cap left. So I would say that I think that Panarin's probably going to sign for about that. You're talking 10 million over seven years. I think that Marner and, and keep in mind that if you want to get Panarin to come to Philly instead of maybe one of these other cities that he prefer to play, and you're probably going to have to give him even more money. So maybe you're looking at $11 million for Panarin over seven, seven seasons. Mitch Marner, I think to, I honestly think to get to the point where Toronto can't match, you may have to offer the guy 11 to $12 million a year. And then Toronto may still try and find a way to match. But I think that, if I'm the Flyers, I may I might offer Marner seven years, twelve million dollars, just to see what happens. Tom asked a good question. What's the solution then at center? So, you know, if you sign Mitch Marner, he's a winger. Uh, so, I guess one of the solutions was you could you could move Giroux back to center. So you'd have Giroux, Couturier, and Patrick at center. I think if you want to keep, um, you know, you want to keep. Giroux on the wing, you'd have Couturier, Nolan Patrick. And then I guess that uh, you're hoping that Morgan Frost comes in and is mm-hmm. NHL ready to be third line center. But if I, I feel like if you get Mitch Marner, then you can worry about the rest of it. You could probably trade one of your surplus forwards for a center. Uh, I, I think they could probably figure a way to, to, to work it out. Um and I, because Morgan Frost is coming in, and I'm pretty confident that by at least the middle of next season, he's going to be NHL ready as a center. I, I, I'm, I think that if you added Marner to this team, that you're talking about a team that's clear, it's not going to start out slow, and you can give Frost a little bit of time to develop in the minors. But that's that's sort of what I'd be thinking about. There is is your if you're signing Marner to 12 million a year, Panarin to 11 million a year, you are kind of hoping that Morgan Frost is going to be that third line center, or you're moving Giroux back to center. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm offering a contract to one, if I have to sign one of them, obviously, I, I mean, I would do, you know, I, I would take your plan and just throw a bunch of money at Mitch Marner and see if Toronto matches because he's a younger player. Or Tommy Panarin's already 28, so if I'm going long-term with one of them, I would rather it obviously be Mitch Marner. And then, yeah, there's so many avenues that they could go. You know, again, this is why the Flyers, you know, have... This is one of the benefits of what Ron Hexall did for the Flyers, is they have so many prospects, they have so many picks, to where if they need to go out and acquire a guy via a trade, then they absolutely have the ability to do so. But, you know, you... If, if we're talking about bringing in a guy like Mitch Marner or Temi Panarin, you know, you you don't pass that up because you're thinking about, you know, what you do down, you know, at, at center. There's things you can do, absolutely, because those guys come in and they make you astronomically better than you are right now. So, I mean, if I had if I had my choice, I would go Mitch Marner and, you know, you, you, you're right. You just figure out center when the time comes. There's There's ways you could do it, so... You don't pass up talent when talent's presented to you. Next question from Gene. Gene, the dancing machine, always sends in good <laughs> questions. Uh, his his uh, tag is at TH Gersh, and he asks, thoughts on Hayes and Myers from Winnipeg as unrestricted free agents. Hayes would be a nice 3C, and Myers is a minutes muncher. Plus, having two Myers and D would be cool. So here's my feeling. I'll go one at a time. I think that Tyler Myers is a little bit overrated, despite the fact it would be kind of fun to have two Myers. I think that as the 
you look at it, he's probably the second best defenseman among free agents behind Eric Carlson. And he's, you know, he's got 25 points in 67 games on a deep Winnipeg team. But I'm just, for a big guy, Tyler Myers plays a little bit soft. And I'm just not sure that you're going to want to spend the kind of money. It's Myers is probably going to sign for six to seven million, maybe for five years. I don't want to commit that to a guy like that when we already have this young top four that we've got. And we've got guys on the way who are going to be able to help. We've got Gudas for another season. So I just I I don't think I want to sign Myers for what the money is is going to be. You know, if you're going lesser tier and maybe you're looking at a guy like an Anton Strollman from Tampa who you could sign for a little bit less. Um, you know, a uh, a guy like that I might look at. You know, the Maple Leafs can't re-sign Jake Gardner. He's been pretty good. Uh, but again, I if, if we're not getting Carlson, you know, I'm not sure that, um, you know, that I, I, I would want to sign a guy. I'd rather just try and trade for a Jared Spurgeon rather than commit seven years to Tyler Myers. In terms of Kevin Hayes, he's had a really good season with um, with the Rangers. You know, he's got 47 points in 58 games. He's 27 years old, so he's he's about as young as it comes as, a, as an unrestricted free agent. He's going to make big money. Um, you know, the Rangers traded him to Winnipeg, so he's, he's playing there right now. I'd want to see kind of how he performs in the playoffs, but Hayes is certainly an option that you'd look at for your third line center. The only issue there is that if, again, if you lock in Kevin Hayes for the next five seasons as a third line center, I guess you're then saying that Morgan Frost is definitely moving to the wing. Um, And I'm just, I'm not quite yet ready to do that. Like if the Flyers miss out on all the big guns, they, they need to bring in another forward. And if they can't find anyone, you know, Panera doesn't want to come here, they can't get a guy on the offer sheets, then maybe you do sign Kevin Hayes and just commit yourself that you're going to move Morgan Frost to the wing. But that's, that is, that's a question mark. Um, you know, I think that as we've talked about with Giroux at his age, I think they're going to, they're going to overspend the next few years to try and win. And if, and if, I don't think they're going to be looking at it like Kevin Hayes is a center. Morgan Frost is a center. We can't do that. So I, I, I think that there's a reasonable chance that Hayes ends up here if they don't get one of the, the one of the, the more prominent unrestricted free agents. Yeah, I agree. Um, can't really answer that much better than you did. So I'll just move on. Uh, the next one we have is from Bert Macklin. He's at EJC hockey eight. We kind of touched on this already, but we'll go back over it a little bit. If the Flyers in the offseason sign a true top four D-man, that will push someone out of the top four, although making our team better in the short term, could it be negative to their development? Especially if the coach sits them because they see AMAC as a better 6D man than Ghost or Myers. Um, well, I mean, we already talked about AMAC. We, we, we predict at this point he gets bought out. As far as bringing in a top four D-man, I mean, really, like we said, the Flyers have a great problem to have right now. If you're a lot of the other, a lot of the other teams in the NHL with how they're structured on the blue line, I mean, it's really. I think it comes down to who are you bringing in. If the guy is that much better, if you're like, I mean, if we're talking about Eric Carlson here. Then yeah, I mean you bring him in, and I don't think it's going to affect the, their development too much because. 
you know, I, I, it depends. I think these guys are, are very good players to begin with. And my thing is this. I don't bring in a top four D-man um, because I think that what they have right now is just so good. And I would rather these guys grow into their own where they're at than push them down and affect their minutes. And I don't know who the coach is going to be next year, but he's going to have an unbiased eye with all these guys, and he'll play them as he see fits. But I would rather just keep the guys that you have in here, bring in um, a lesser defensive player, not an Eric Carlson. You know, you bring, you're bring you mentioning Jared Spurgeon quite a bit. That would be a nice addition. But, you know, any anybody you bring in, there is it, you run the risk of, affecting a guy's minutes and I would just rather the Flyers kind of deal with what they have with their top four guys right now and bring in somebody a little less than that put some bring somebody in that's going to be a strong third pairing defenseman for you because I think they have the beginnings of something very special on their top on their top four right now yeah I mean we've seen what Travis Sanheim has, has done over the course of the last few months he's offensively been incredible you've got to think that Shane Gostisbehere is going to rebound a little bit next season especially on the power play you know which is why i don't know if i'd want to sign eric carlson to a seven-year contract which is what it's going to take to get that done yeah so again my preferred on on defense i would prefer to either trade for jared spurgeon he's got one year left let's see how he meshes with our group and then decide if you want to re-sign him um i would either bring him in or I would sign a lesser guy to maybe be a third pairing defenseman with Radko Gudis, uh, if and try and move Haig. But so yeah, I, you know, I think it definitely could be negative to these these kids' development, and I think that they all look like they're about ready to take the next step. You got to think that Ivan Provorov's going to rebound next season. He's been phenomenal over the last month, especially the last few games. Um, him and Sanheim have been really good together. Myers should probably just keep getting better. Maybe there'll be a bump in the road for him, but uh, but but I don't know. So I I think again I'd go after Spurgeon. I tr- maybe try and bring someone else in, try and improve the the D a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I think that that it could be negative to the development. Mm-hmm. But again, with Amac, so I I don't I would don't Bert don't worry about Amac. They've they're playing him the fewest minutes of any of the defensemen right now. I think that they're going to buy him out. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about him. Yeah, I think that's that'll just resolve itself, actually, and people will be good to see him go. Um, so we, Don go Don B at Match Penalty Twenty One sends in uh, always sends in good questions too. He says this is he says not a question, but a request to change the mon- mindset we use to view the team. Do you think it's possible when looking at players, instead of just saying so-and-so can be a third liner, we need to think of it as, can we win a cup with so-and-so on that line? That's the goal. Yeah, Don, I, yeah. this is kind of in line with uh, you know what we've been talking about, which is I'm so sick of the fact that it seems like whatever coach is here, they feel like they need to have guys like like Chris Vandevelde and Corbin Knight and Pierre-Edward Belmar um, and Phil Veroni on that fourth line. You know, I want to I want to have the best lineup we can. And, you know, I, I saw someone tweeted out today. I, I could have a fourth line next year of um, Scott Lawton and Ryan Hartman. And uh, I forget who was who was on the left. But, you know, uh, that as a fourth line would be awesome. Right now we're trotting out something like that as a third line. So, yeah, I think we should be looking at everything having to do with this team as is this player going to help us win a cup? Because 
that's going to be the goal in the next few seasons. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, the whole minds, and he's absolutely right, the whole mindset around this team, it has to change from a fan perspective, but really it has to, it has to start with the, with the franchise itself. These teams in sports that are good year after year just have a mindset of that we're better than everybody else, and that's exactly how they look at their roster. It's not how do we fill these spots, it's how do we fill these spots with guys that are going to make us better, that are going to help us win championships. Why do you think the New England Patriots just win every other year? Because that's their mindset. They bring in guys that fit what they want to do, and they bring in guys that just they truly believe they could, that will help them turn over and win another championship. So yeah, that's what the Flyers have to be doing right now, because they're really they're pulling themselves out of this kind of lull they've been in over the last few years. They have a really good core built already. They have another good young core coming up. So, yeah, they need to look at this, and they need to just be good from top to bottom. They don't need to just fill in the fourth line anymore with guys that are fringe NHL star players to begin with. So he's absolutely right. They have to just look at this as they are taking in the next step to becoming a Stanley Cup contender. And I think, you know, just based on what I've heard from Chuck Fletcher and kind of like what some of the insiders, how they perceive things to be going on right now, it seems like that's how he's going to be taking on this offseason with with every intent to build a Stanley Cup winner in the next year or two. Yep. Yep. Uh, the last two questions are ones that we've we've kind of touched on. And so I will we'll, we'll read them out once from uh, Bennett underscore CK. It's at Bennett underscore CK. Yes. What do you think would be the better move this summer? Offering Panarin top dollar or trying to offer sheet one of the high end RFAs? If offer sheet are the added years of player prime worth the pick compensation if money is similar. So, yeah, I mean, because the Flyers are so stocked with prospects, you've got Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee on the way. They're both going to be first or second line forwards. I want to win a cup in the next few years. And I think that if you could get Mitch Marner and sign him to a seven-year, $12 million a year contract or even $13 million a year contract, something that makes it impossible for the Maple Leafs to match, that would be my preferred route to going after Panarin, who's 28 years old. Even though the next few years, Panarin should be really good. But uh, I would I would rather go the Marner route. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The, he's younger. And it's going to cost, It's, I mean, it may cost you about the same, maybe a little more to, to shake him away from Toronto, but I would do the same thing. It's just, you have the money, you have the means to do so. So yeah, just go for it. Put put, put the pedal to metal and, and see who you, who you could bring in here. I have a question to ask you. Um, we've seen this a bit with, uh, with some of the other teams in the city where they have to, you know, how comfortable are you with, Philadelphia as a destination for free agents and these, you know, restricted and unrestricted. I mean, we saw we saw the Phillies what they had to do to get a guy like Bryce Harper, and it's fine for them because there's no salary cap. But does it concern you at all? A, a team, you know, this whole the whole perception of the team right now with where they're at with the coach. Really, what I want to ask here is this is a long way to ask it now that I'm collecting my thoughts. Um, first move is. To me, they have to lock up the head coach. And if Joel Quinville is out there and available, I think you get him because I think that 
with with all these other teams, and you hear Otemi Panarin talking about New York, L.A., Florida. Those are just there's things that those places have that Philadelphia just doesn't, just geographically, you know, with weather and whatever else. So, how imperative is it for the Flyers to bring in a guy like Joel Quinville, and you know, to make the, the to make Philadelphia as the city and the Flyers as appealing as possible to these guys that may be on the fence and may be looking elsewhere for weather or you know, whatever, whatever else they may be looking for. Well, first, let me say that I think for most of these guys, it comes down to money. Right. Uh, you know, they've been playing their careers to get to this point where they're in line for a big payday. So there's obviously some exterior considerations, but I think when it comes down to it, look, Bryce Harper wanted to, to have the richest contract in the history of professional sports. And I think he got that. I think 330 million or whatever it was, was bigger than any other contract. So, you know, I think typically it comes down to the money. Now, I, saying that, I think that the Flyers, even if they don't get Joel Quenville, are a very marketable destination because you've got a young franchise goaltender. You've got a very talented group of young defensemen and forwards. Plus, you've got, you know, a veteran core that makes you think, OK, if I come here, I can put this team over the top. If Joel Quenville comes, now you take it to a whole new level. And let's keep in mind that Artemi Panarin played for Quenville in Chicago. So there may be a relationship there. I don't know if it's a good relationship or a bad relationship since Chicago traded away Panarin while he was uh, th- while Quenville was there. But if, if we assume that Quenville and Panarin have a good relationship, then, yeah, it obviously helps if you have Joel Quenville as your coach. Now, I think Scott Gordon's done a pretty damn good job. And so... If you can get Quenville, I think you bring him in. But if you can't get him, I think you keep Scott Gordon in this spot as head coach with this team. I think he's done a much better job getting the young kids in the lineup than Haxtell was. I think he's done a better job communicating. I don't agree with all the decisions, but I think he's been pretty good. But yeah, if you bring Quenville in, I think that you take a Flyers market that's very marketable to begin with because of the young goalie, and you increase that exponentially. And if if you get Quenville, then yeah, guys around the league know that Quenville's a great coach to play for, and I think that it will that will really help, especially with a guy like Panera. Here's my stance on this whole thing. Uh, the Flyers at one point in time were a ve- they were a really popular destination for free agents. We saw, you know, Jeremy Roenick wanted to come to Philadelphia because of just the tradition of the Flyers. There was a time where there were when Ray Bork was a free agent that there was, you know, he wanted to come to Philadelphia. It's just the flyers never thought to make him an offer. Um, but I, I think in the last few years when Ron Hexel kind of took over and pumped the brakes a little bit on the spending and focused more on prospects and things like that, it kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of took away some of the shine of the flyers. And a lot of the shine in, in the past was that they'll spend money and they'll do whatever it takes to win. And I think, this offseason is really going to jumpstart that again for the Flyers. Because I see Chuck Fletcher as, as somebody who wants to spend, who wants to win, and wants to put a winner together quickly. And that's ultimately, if it's not going to be this season that brings in guys like that, I think in the coming off seasons after this one, once they see how Chuck Fletcher approaches this one, it'll make the Flyers more of a destination again. Because the Flyers at one point were cream of the crop of the NHL. Like I said, people wanted to come here. They wanted to wear that logo. They wanted to wear that jersey. And it hasn't been that way for quite some time now. We saw, you know, 
say what you want about John Tavares. He said he didn't want to come here, but you know Toronto was on the table, and I don't think any I don't think he would have went anywhere but Toronto unless somebody blew Toronto's offer out of the water. So I think Chuck Fletcher's going to try to you know turn things around for the Flyers and make them a destination again. Joel Quinville obviously helped that. If they get him, you know he is the second best coach in the world right now as far as hockey goes. So you bring him in, it just makes you more of a destination because you can't compete with the lights of New York. You can't compete with the le- the weather of L.A. You know, you can't compete with some of the tradition of the older teams like a Boston or a Montreal or a Toronto. So you have to work with what you, what you have and, you know, bring in Joel Quinville and just be aggressive in free agency. Show players that you want to win, that you want to win quickly, and you're willing to spend to do it. And I think that's what we're about to see from Chuck Fletcher, and I hope we do because I want to see the Flyers become a destination again where people want to come here and you don't have to be the most money, that they'll take a little bit less just because they like what's going on here. Well, I wouldn't get that carried away. I think well, maybe not, some of the not, guys on the current roster might, but, pay, I, I, but I think it I think it comes down it's gonna come down to money, but it will help if we have a guy like Quenville. Yeah. Um we've got one more question from another one of our loyal listeners, Tommy Tomasino at Tommy Tomasino. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He asks, will the with the emergence of Myers and Sandheim and already having Ghost and Proby, should the Flyers pass on Eric Carlson? Seems to have real bad injuries last few seasons. Perhaps wiser to go after Panarin and a Skinner, Duchesne, Harder, maybe after a number three to four D-man instead of Carlson. So, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I, I, I'm not a huge proponent of going after Carlson because of of what Tommy mentioned, the injuries, you're going to have to go seven seasons. And I think our top four defensemen already look pretty good. So I would, I would rather go up your Panera. Now he mentions Jeff Skinner and Matt Duchesne. We talked about Duchesne. I'm not a huge fan of Duchesne. I don't think that he's proven that he's deserving of a, the type of contract he's going to get. Jeff Skinner's had a really good season with Buffalo. He's uh, he's, he's slowed down a little bit. And again, he's a guy that I feel like Joel Farabee in a year or two is going to be just as good of a scorer as, as Jeff Skinner. And Morgan Frost might also look, I know that you want next year, this team's got to be a cup contender. I prefer Skinner to Duchesne, but I, again, if you can't get Panarin, I'm going to try and offer sheet one of those guys. And then if you, you, that doesn't work, then I think I'd prefer Kevin Hayes over Skinner or Duchesne. But, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, again, I wouldn't bring in Eric Carlson. Just the money's going to be too rich. It's going to be too long of a contract. I don't trust his health over time. And yeah, I mean, same thing. If I'm, I, I agree. If I'm going between Skinner or Duchesne, I'll take Skinner. If you can't get Panarin, but there's other options before you have to get to either one of those guys. I would offer sheet one of the guys before I would offer either of them a contract. But like I said, cast a wide net and see what you come up with because that's. There's a lot of there's a lot of fish in the sea this this summer, and I think the Flyers will get one of them. It's just a matter of who and how much. But if they don't, I mean, there's going to be hell to pay for sure. Is that all the questions? That is wonderful. Well, we thank everybody as always for chiming in with their questions and uh, appreciating our input enough to even ask them because yeah, so many opinions out there. But um. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, 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 there's a lot coming up in the offseason, but there's still some hockey left to play, obviously. The Flyers are still fighting for a playoff spot. 
we both believe that it's a slim chance that they get in, but stranger things have happened, a la 2010, where they got in on the last day of the season, went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, who, like we said, anything can happen. But, Dan, it's your favorite part of the show. It's time for your shameless plug, where everybody can find your prospect talk, and they could argue with you about anything that they want to. Yeah, so fans can uh, find me on Twitter at dsilver88. The 88 is for Eric Lindros, one of my favorite flyers of all time. And you can, uh, yeah, always uh, engage with me on Twitter. I, uh, you'll find that I'm pretty responsive and uh, I love engaging in debate. And you can find my articles along with everyone else over at Philly is Flyers articles. And the website is www.phillyisflyer.com. My most recent prospects piece is my January updated list of the Flyers' top 20 prospects. I'll be doing another one over the summer. And we've actually just added a number of uh, new writers over at Phileas Flyers, so we're pumping out more content than ever, so make sure to check us out. It's always nice when I see celebrities respond to uh, their followers on Twitter, and uh, that that's no different with you, Dan Silver. You are... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very popular I don't know. man. I'm going to have to but, look uh... up the, the definition of celebrity. So. <laughs> But yeah, as for me, I don't fo- think I fit the bill. But oh, there you go. You are a, you are a hockey Twitter celebrity, and don't let anybody Maybe in tell Sweden. you differently. All right, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. You can follow the show at underscore Getting Bullied. You can listen to this episode and each and every episode on Apple iTunes and Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course the podcast tab of PhillyIsFlyers.com. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot coming up for the Flyers. Hopefully they can continue their good play. Hopefully some of the teams in front of them, Carolina, Montreal, maybe even Columbus can collapse a little bit and falter, and the Flyers can take advantage of that and clinch this playoff spot. So it's a big week coming up for Flyers, a lot of big games, and hopefully things work out for them. So until we talk to you next time, everybody, and have a great life. Let's go Flyers. Good night, Sweden. <laughs>